Hello, everybody. Today, we have a special guest, arts writer, Isis Davis Marks, who's going to talk to us about building a career as an arts writer. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at Art Prof, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. Now, Isis is based in New York City, and she's a multidisciplinary artist and writer. And you got your BA at Yale in philosophy and visual art. And you've written for Artsy, the Smithsonian, Hyperallergic, Wide Walls. We have lots of links to Isis's work, website, and Instagram in the YouTube video description below. And you're also a practicing studio artist, which is so exciting because I feel like you're one of us. Thank <laughs> 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 So Isaacs, I want to know, how did you find Art Prof? Because people find us in all different ways mm -hmm. and you've been writing professionally for a few years now. So how did you find us? Um, I actually found Art Prof when I was in art school. So as Claire mentioned, like I did like a BA in studio art and also philosophy, like I did the course requirements for both. And um, I wanted to learn more technical skills. And where did I always, I always turn to like YouTube when I want to learn those things. And I just like constantly watch YouTube anyway, especially like when you're painting, it's very, it's nice to have like a YouTube video in the background. Um, so I, I, I knew I was like turning more towards portraiture and I wanted to do like some more realistic painting. And I found art prof and I was like looking for like an, anatomical like studies and I just fell in love with the channel and all of the other educational aspects of it too um, and I still look at it and I still learn so much from it so I'm happy to be here. Awesome so tell us how did you get started building your career as an arts writer because I think the whole thing is the whole field of arts writing at least from a studio artist perspective it's really opaque like tell me in the chat who here feels like they know the world of arts writing? I feel like I don't know. And I'm somebody who's been around the block a few times. So how do you start doing this? Did you think of this in college? Was it not till after you graduated or? Yeah, I feel like I have like a sort of weird set of interests in the sense that like I, well, I didn't intend on, I guess it, it makes the most sense for me to talk about this by like talking about like my college experience. Um, because when I entered college, I did not initially intend to even major in art. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I thought, you know, like I was really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did speech and debate in high school, which is why like I like talking on these things so much. And like um, I, I just liked public speaking and I've always tested really well in um, like uh, reading comprehension, that sort of thing um, was relatively decent at math. Um, I thought I had like relatively good analytic skills, but I also always love to read and I always love to make things. Um, but I didn't see that as being like a career for me. Like it is, but it's strange in a sense because I was around so much art when I was young. Um, and I grew up in New York City and I'm like a third generation New Yorker. So I was definitely like around art and I knew that it was a career, but I think that for me, I always had said like, oh, it's not a career for me, you know, like it's a mm -hmm. for me. And I think a lot of that also has to do with like class, um, but we'll, I'll get to that later. Um, but yeah, like I did not expect to go into art, but I think that in my freshman year of college, like certain things happened, like my great grandmother died. 
I feel like that sort of made me also like kind of lean into art in a sense. Like I wasn't like, I don't know. Like, I think that I realized that, oh, I do really like making things that are like sort of visual and like tactile objects. Right. Um, and I realized that when I started taking some classes in my first year, I did this program that's basically like a rundown of the Western canon. Um, and I realized I was only interested in the philosophy part of it. <laughs> so then I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to do philosophy. Like, this is something that can get me into law school, right? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but I also just always loved critical theory. And I always really loved um, reading that sort of thing. But I also really love fiction and like just reading in general, but also love looking at things and making things. So um, I continued to do that. And I also, at the same time, had like a staff opinion column at my college paper um, because I like there were a lot of protests going on around like race and, you know, class and things like that at Yale um, when I was in my first year. So I was like, I don't agree with the opinions that people are like writing about. So like, I'm just going to say something. Um, and I had always loved writing, but I, again, didn't think of it as a thing for me. But then the more I like went through college, I eventually became a staff member like on my um, like for my school's newspaper and became a staff columnist. And um, I continued to do art, even though I kept saying I'm not going to actually become I kept lying to my teachers and saying <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us did that in school, right? Yeah, because it's hard to get into art classes, right? Because like everybody it's, I feel like every senior wants to take it in their last semester. <laughs> like they just want to take an art class for fun so like in order to get in you have to sort of either be an arts major or be like in your senior year saying like this is my last hurrah like I want to do an art class um so I just slide and then it became the truth <laughs> <laughs> well we get a lot of questions about the difference between being an arts major at a university like Yale versus mm -hmm. going to say an art school like RISD or Pratt. Can you tell people a little bit about what it was like doing studio art as a bigger yeah. university? Yeah, of course, thank you. Um, so I think that in a sense, like if you, if you take art classes at a larger university and it's not an art school and you don't necessarily have to submit like an art portfolio to it, it can be good if you're someone like me who did not expect to go into the arts major as someone like coming from, you know, high school going into college, right? Because it's like you then have the option to like just say, hey, I want to be an arts major, but you don't necessarily have to have like a crazy amount of like technical skills in order to do it. Like I do not think I had like a crazy amount of technical skills like when I first um, started doing like art in um college but then I started becoming like very very interested in it even though I did have some experience taking arts classes however um I do think that if you go to a school like RISD or Cooper Union or Pratt or SCAD or like Art Institute of Chicago and stuff like if you have the technical chops and you are really like you know that that's what you want to do that can be that can really be really good for you as well because you won't have to go through all these inter-level classes where people are not at the level maybe that you are in. But the good thing about being at, a, at another university that's like more of a liberal arts type of college is that you have more options when it comes to taking things outside of art. So I feel like I had a lot of, again, like opportunities to do things in like journalism. Like I took a journalism class um, that was really important for me in terms of learning about things. And like, I took a lot of classes in like creative nonfiction. 
Um, and I took like, obviously like philosophy classes, but a lot of class, like I took a couple classes in like aesthetic theory as well, um, which I think has helped me think about art and arts writing. Um, so it depends on like what you want to do. Um, but yeah, like if you, if you feel like you want to apply to an art school, I would encourage you to apply both art schools and liberal arts schools too. Mm -hmm. So then how do you actually position yourself to yeah. be somebody who is trusted to mm -hmm. review and critique, say, an exhibition? Like I know right now, and I'm so jealous that you got to see this in person, <laughs> there is this <laughs> Jennifer Packer show mm -hmm. at the Whitney, mm -hmm. and I have always loved her work. We crossed over a little bit because she teaches mm -hmm. in the painting department at RISD. I feel like I sent her a couple emails, but I love her work. And who is the person that says, okay, Isis, you have permission to go and critique this show and mm -hmm. tell people what you think about it? How does that mm -hmm. happen? Because I think a lot of people do read these reviews and go, well, who is this person who's yeah. going to tell me if the show is good or not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like when you become a writer and you start contributing regularly to a publication, you develop a relationship with your editors. Um, and usually, like, if they like you, they'll reach out to you with specific assignments. And that's what happened in this case. Like, one of my editors at Artsy was like, hey, like, I love this piece that you did earlier this year. It was this piece. Um, ooh, now I'm trying to remember the piece that I actually wrote with this editor that I had. Oh, yeah, it was on Martha's Vineyard. It was about Martha's Vineyard and how there are a lot of Black galleries opening there. And I worked with this one editor at Artsy for the first time. She liked that piece a lot. She said it did really well in the algorithm. And um, two, that was another thing. And um, she wanted to work with me again, and she thought this would be a good show for me to review. So she reached out to me and asked me to do it. Um, so that's one way in which you can get at, like get to do a review of a show um, is if your editors assign it to you and you have a working relationship with some of your editors. Because when you are an arts writer, you usually will have your work edited by a person and then it will go out to publication, which is typically how publications work. You are a writer, you are you get an assignment or you pitch something. I'll explain what pitching is in a second. Your editor edits it and then it goes to print or it goes online. Um, so that is one way is if your editor, who's kind of like your boss, but not quite, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like, they'll like give you an assignment and then you'll do it, right? That's one way in which you can write about a review. The other way in which you can write about it in a review is if you see something, like let's say I go down to a show in Chelsea, or Le which is a neighborhood in New York City in Manhattan, um, which is where a lot of galleries are. Um, so let's say I go to an art show there at a gallery or at a museum. I say, wow, this looks really interesting to me. I want to write about it. Then what I can do is I can then reach out to my editor and say like, hey, here's this thing. I think it is really cool. I think it would be a great article. And sometimes even before the show comes out, um, you know, public relations people from galleries and museums will send you emails and saying like, hey, Isis, I know you're an arts writer. I know you've written for this X, Y, and Z publication. Here's this thing. You might want to check it out. I might look at the images and see it and like it and think, oh, this is something I do want to write about. Let me email like this person who I work with at Artsy or Piper or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we have this comment from Jazz W who says, if it's a show at the Whitney Museum, the artist is probably good. 
Well, what do you think about that as an arts writer? Because you probably log way more museum miles than I ever could make the time for. But what about this prevailing assumption oftentimes you get from the public and even artists that, well, if it's in that museum, it better be good. Or when people go there and we've all heard the, oh, my kid could do that. And my kid is three yeah. years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, museums are complicated places. Nothing is straightforward. Mm -hmm. But I'm just curious, what's your take on those assumptions people make about, oh, if it's in a museum, then this must mm -hmm. be the case. Oh, I don't think that everything in a museum is always good. I think that I sort of touched on this before, too, in terms of like my coming to art and class and race and gender. I feel like I could talk about that for days, but um, I feel like the reality is that the art world, it has a lot of like ladder, I don't know how to like what the best phrase, like it has a lot of like barriers, right? There are a lot of barriers yeah. to entry for the art world, right? Like it's very racist and classist and sexist and all the ists, right? Like I think that um, for a long time, museums were institutions that only accepted certain people in them. There's a lot of conversations happening around this now with um, rep things like reparations. Should certain objects be returned to countries if they were unlawfully taken from people unfairly? Um, a lot of places in South America, a lot of places like in Africa, like West Africa, like Ghana and stuff like that, should those objects like be returned from places like the Louvre or the Met um, to those countries if they were unfairly taken? So no, I don't think that everything in museums like should actually be in museums. Yeah. Um, I think that it, it's like a lot of it is like very political. I think that a lot of people who end up getting jobs at museums often you know will get them through net because they know somebody right or, right or like because they have a certain amount of money where they're able to then do museum internships because oftentimes a lot of these in museum internships are not paid so who are the ones who actually have the time and are able to the people who are rich right, right, um, right. i think that class is like a huge issue sometimes i think it's a hot take but i think it's even larger than race a lot of the time in like art the art world because i feel like it really does hinder people's access to things and you need food and money and a place to sleep in order to like make art sometimes, even though sometimes people give up a lot of their physiology to, to like make art. Um, but <laughs> anyway, like I think that, yeah, like there's stuff in museums that I see all the time that I don't necessarily like, um, that I think is art historically significant. I think Duchamp is probably a good example. He was I think he was French, French artist. Like he, he, he was like uh, very involved in like this, Da da, like you know, movement where like there there are people asking a lot of like questions about like what does or does not count as art, right? Um, so like because of that, um, I and I and if you you guys can look it up too, like there's like this one I think I saw all the time at Yale and it was just like a shovel and he put a shovel <laughs> in a gallery and like said this is art. But the really famous one he did was like Fountain, which is like this this urinal that he decided to like present like in uh, I can't remember where he presented it, but he he presented it basically like in a formal art setting and said like this is art, but like it raised the question as to like what does or does not count as art. Um, yeah, and I, I think it was art historically significant. Do I think it's aesthetically beautiful? No, but that's a that's a whole conversation we could have about like conceptual art and like whether or not it's relevant. Um, but yeah, I think that a lot of like what goes into museums and galleries is like not good. <laughs> <laughs> just, 
like, I just don't like a lot of what's in it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I like the Jen Packer show. I did. Um, and I wrote about that too. <laughs> I mean, for me, there's a lot of stuff I see in a museum and I don't like it, but oftentimes it's really this artist again. And yeah. I'm like, do we need to see another Jeff Koons show? Like there's so many artists out there who I'd much rather know about. And honestly, sometimes I go through the art publications and it's like, you could just list 10 names. Yeah. And it's like thou, those same 10 artists every single time, it just gets so boring. Like, mm -hmm. it's fast. So yeah. we have a question here from Trent who says, how do you write about art that you don't love or hate when it's just kind of meh? Mm -hmm. um, I think that, that those are actually, those can make the more interesting reviews because mm. I think that personally, like I don't like writing things that have one side or the other. I think that, I mean, especially like after being trained in philosophy, like you really begin to see like all the angles of an argument too. Like sometimes things can be partially good. Sometimes they, they can be partially bad. Sometimes you might like one piece in a show, but not like another gravitate to something, be repulsed by it, but that can be a whole conversation. Um, and I think that, yeah, like I definitely want to turn towards more critical writing, like writing that's more sort of like nuanced and like not all good and not all bad. And I think that the internet usually does sort of force me to say like, this is excellent or this is absolute trash, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> but like I don't think that like most art is like that. I, I or at least the art that I like, it, it sort of will make you think. And I think that also like um, another thing about criticism too, is that you begin, if you go to art school, liberal art school or like art school, art school, you know, like that you have to like submit a portfolio for it, you will have something called critique, right? Um, that's basically where you pin your work on a wall and then you guys stand around it, right? And you talk about the work. And often like you will see that like in crit or critique, crit for short, that like people will often point out good things about a work, but they'll also point out bad things about a work. And people are usually expected to have comments that are a little bit more like robust than saying, I like that. Like you can't, you don't really get away with that. Like you have to say like, okay, like here's this line. Here's how I feel about this line. I question the line work here. Why is this line so squiggly and scraggly when it could be straight? okay, why did you decide that you wanted to render this real, this part of the figure realistically? Why did you render the lips realistically, but not the eyes? You know, like, is there a philosophical reason for this or were you just being lazy and did you not think about it? You know? <laughs> and I think that for me, it's like I approach art criticism the same way where it's kind of like, I think about it as if like I'm in crit, I'm looking at the art, we're talking about the work. And I feel like for me, that's why it's also important that I maintain a studio practice because I like being able to make my own work and talk to other artists and like feel, I like, I personally, like in my own practice, I like very like tactile work and multi-textured work, which is also why I like the Jen Packer show so much is because it, it's, she, it's like very like fluid and I like paint that acts as paint as opposed to things that's like kind of like very stiff. Um, so yeah, that's like my long answer to it is like, I like 
I like the idea of like writing about a meh show, but I probably wouldn't pitch a show that I thought was meh because my editors probably wouldn't accept it. So, but it depends on what you think meh is. Like meh could be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Something I really like, you might really hate, you know, like conceptual art's a good example. Like a lot of people just have a very like visceral disgust for like a lot of uh, conceptual art for sure. Amaris, I'm going to come back to your question about writing a review in a second, because Mm -hmm. I want to segue Mm -hmm. and talk about your studio practice, Mm -hmm. because you have beautiful multimedia interdisciplinary work. We're seeing textiles, we're seeing painting, we're seeing fabrics, and you can see more on Isis's website. But how do you think that informs your role as an arts writer? Because I don't get the feeling that most arts writers are practicing studio artists. Thank you for asking me and thank you for the compliment too. I think that like for I well first of all I think a lot of critics are failed right artists like I'm I'm just going to be honest like if you look at like the resumes and CVs of a lot of critics like they'll often start as artists and like they'll give up on their studio practice and decide to focus on criticism um, or they just don't make it. I hope that doesn't happen to me. We'll see what happens to me. But <laughs> well, you're doing great now. I mean, it seems like you're fairly productive considering everything else you have going on. So thank you. Know. you. But I also just I feel that like I'll, I don't want to say too many things, but I also just do think that like it is hard to have both a writing practice and an arts practice. And I had a tendonitis issue like last year because mm. I was trying to type so fast and like it was just a sign like I need to pull back a little bit and like I have not been writing every day I feel so much better now that I'm not writing Mm. every single day um I have a sewing machine instead of doing things by hand so like I'm learning how to adapt and I think that the pandemic has also been a lot a time and a lot of people have really learned like how to adapt to their own work and to their bodies and things like that um but I feel that because not only do I have a studio practice, but I do feel that because like my background is in philosophy as opposed to art history, I feel like I see things differently from a lot of yeah. art writers. Um, because I feel like a lot of arts writers will sort of ground their work like in like art history. But for me, it's like, I like art history. I study art history, but I feel like I try to make the method of my articles more of like a, a somewhat of a hybrid between like a philosophical approach and um, like a personal essay type of thing. Um, I really love like Susan Sontag. She's like one of my faves in terms of thinking about arts writing. Um, There's this one essay in particular that she has called um, Against Interpretation. And I feel like that, if you read that essay, it will really help you understand like how I see arts writing and like what my approach is to it. I feel like my approach is to sort of like to describe the art to 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 really get into like what does it look like how is it making me feel how it how does it make me see the world what am i seeing in this like how how am i re- like how what is my like somatic like my bodily reaction to it um is kind of how i like to approach arts writing and there's this one quote that she has at the end of the essay where it says in place of hermeneutics, we need neurotics of art. And I feel like that's really beautiful because it's sort of like, I feel like so much art criticism really tries to flatten and uses yeah. all of this like dense, like language. Hard to speak. 
yeah, art speaks. And and this is the I I did think about going into academia like after school, like but for philosophy, not for art history. And I feel like this is one of the reasons why I still have not applied to a PhD program is because you know like I like reading that sort of writing sometimes, but in terms of like my actual writing, like I much prefer to think about language and how does it sound together and like making things sound. I feel like sound is like very, very like all of it's very important to me, sound, smell, touch, taste. Like I feel like thinking about the body and like that's all really important to me. Um, <laughs> I'm probably not making that much sense, but I also- Oh no, it totally <laughs> makes sense to me. I, I just, I'm so fascinated by all this because I feel like arts writing for mm -hmm. studio artists, mm -hmm. it sort of feels like the whole gallery world, like we're, we're so curious, but nobody yeah. will tell us what's going on. So I'm just like totally fascinated by all of this. So speaking of that opaque process, Amaris wants to know, what are your personal steps in writing a review? Yeah, I, I feel that when I want to like, I, I'm, I'm working on more reviews now, but I, I, I wrote some reviews before, but I feel like they were more like aggregate pieces, but I'm really looking forward to doing more like in-person reviews and shows. But I just feel like generally like my writing process usually revolves around like outlining. I love the notes app. Notetap is my friend. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. Notetap is my friend. I also like I had I got this new app like when I was um when I had like this tendonitis issue. It's called Otter. It's great. If you're a journalist, you should get it. If you're not a journalist, you should still probably get it. But like it basically takes recordings and it transcribes and it does a really good job at like trans transcription. So sometimes, like, I'll usually use this app, like, when I'm doing interviews with people, I'll open up Otter, and then it will just, like, sort of transcribe, like, immediately. And I think that having any sort of transcription app as a journalist is super, another way I've adapted. Like, I always was like, I'm too cheap. I'm not going to buy this. And <laughs> <laughs> it just got to the point where my hands are like, no, Isis, you can't do all this work. Um, but, yeah, like, so, yeah, like, in terms of, like, writing process, like, when I'm writing a review, like, to go to the show like to if there's like a, an artist talk or if the curators are talking listening to the curators getting the checklist like the like the little list of like all the items um that are either like for sale or like up for display in the exhibition um and then you know just sort of sitting with the work i take a lot of pictures too um i love like photography but also just like usually they will give you um usually like the the museum or the gallery or whatever will give you press images right they'll give you mm. um like they'll send you professionally taken photos of whatever exhibition it is and like you can ask them for it i'll say like hey i'm writing a review for this publication can you please send me some images so i can like have them be featured alongside my article right or like maybe i'll just look at um the images as i'm sort of um you know, as I'm, as I'm writing, because like a lot of it is sort of visual analysis, but I feel like for me, like my outlining process is me taking photos and is mm. me just in the notes app, just like brain dumping <laughs> or like, if I'm like interviewing someone for it, it's like, I'm, I'm putting the quotes in there and stuff like that. And I'd like to come up with like the structure of my article before I write it, like in a notes app or something like that. 
Um, and then after I come up with the structure, I will start writing and then I'll just sort of polish, keep going back, polishing the sentences. I like to drag and drop a lot, like when I'm doing writing. Um, I don't know how people did it with typewriters. Like, <laughs> you know, I have no idea. Like hats off to Jan Didion, because like I could not do that on a typewriter. <laughs> It, it was it was very slow, and you had to make sure that you were ready to type it. <laughs> I remember those days. Oh my my goodness. No, I guess, I guess, I guess, if you were doing, I think I okay. I would if I did have to do it on a typewriter, I would probably do it like I would probably handwrite a lot and then just get rid of and handwrite a yeah, lot. Yeah, you find a way. <laughs> some sort of way. Um, and it's like you see all those videos of people like writing on cigarette cartons, like <laughs> you know, that's what people did. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, I think that after outlining, I'll just like I'll be frantic. I'm just I just I'm like writing, 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 editing, writing, taking away. Okay, now I'm adding this, now taking away. And I think that the other thing about journalism is that usually you do have a word count. So like they don't yeah. want I feel like in school, like I always have this mentality where it's like, yeah, they're telling me to do 10 pages. So I need to do 12 pages. Like, <laughs> like no, like it, we don't want you to go over. Like, we don't want you to go over like at all. Like, please don't like, this is making my job like awful for me. <laughs> Just like stick to the word count, like stick to the script, you know, um, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, like I, I think that's kind of my writing process. It's like it's like art in a way because it's like I usually will not use I will not usually dive straight into a painting. Like I will just yeah. sketch, photograph, and then I'll do it. That's not even something I realized until now. Like it's the same. <laughs> like <laughs> very similar. Like yeah. what you talk about about the brain dump. I mean, yeah. that's half my creative process right there is just throwing it down on paper. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I do both. Because I feel like it's kind of like painting is like a palette cleanser. Literally, it's like a palette cleanser for me in terms of, right? It's more of the body. Like, it's, again, like this thing about, like, the. it's like it, painting is like a physical activity or like yeah. even making art is like a more, it's a more physical, like, activity. But with writing, you're really just hunched over your computer and you're like all the time, you know? Yeah. So we have a question from mm -hmm. Alexandra Boudreau who says, do artists ever contact you after a review? Hmm. That's interesting. That's an interesting question. I think that, um, yeah, usually they'll thank you or something or um, a lot of times though, when I'm writing reviews, like some, I, I like quotes. Like, I feel like I, I, I do like getting quotes from people and I do like talking to artists and stuff. So it's like, usually I'll talk to them as I'm writing it or mm -hmm. if it's the type of situation where I'm just researching it and I can't go to a place specifically, then no. Um, but sometimes they do contact me or sometimes like a, like pe like a lot of public relations people will contact me afterwards or sometimes like my friends or like random people will contact me and talk about whether what they liked or disliked about it. Um, Sometimes I respond and sometimes I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next question is me selfishly inserting mm -hmm. my my curiosity as an artist is what are your pet peeves as far as artists 
trying to get you to review their show or they want to get on your radar. And what are some of the things that you, you would say, hey, never do this because it's going to make me put you on my blacklist. And what are some things that are like, yeah, you it would be okay to do that. That would be fine. Because I think artists, frequently, we just have no idea. So we just try everything and we act like idiots and we want to know for real, what, what should we not do? What should we do? Yeah. Um, I think that, Ooh, this is a hard question because I feel like so many people email is fine. Like Instagram is fine. I feel like I'm usually more likely to respond to an Instagram DM than, um, than an email because my email is just all over the place. Like, so many PR like things, so many press things. So like, I think for me, like Instagram or Twitter, I'm probably more likely to see it um, than if you email me, but email is mm -hmm. fine. Twitter is fine. Instagram is fine. Um, but I don't like it when, like, if I kind of take a meeting or whatever and like, like, it's not always going to get written about. Like, it's like, yeah. sorry, it's just not. I also like I'm not a machine. Like I can't yeah. do everything. Like right. I mean, people really like get upset when I don't respond, but it's also just like it's like it, it gets to be so many emails. And I used to actually try to respond to all of them. Tendinitis again, like big thing about 2021 for me was like, wow, Isis, you're doing too much work. You cannot respond to every single email. And so now I like draw the line and do not. But I feel like it's less of like other people. I don't really, I think that obviously like don't threaten violence, anything like that. Like that's a no, no, that's, <laughs> that would get you on my blacklist. But I think that like, yeah, email is fine as long as you're like courteous and everything. Um, but also just knowing that like, I will not respond to everyone because this, it has more to do with me enforcing boundaries than like necessarily right. other people. Yeah, I didn't realize that either because I had a couple of interviews with press people and, you know, as an artist, you're like, oh my God, they're going to actually write about me. And then they don't. And you just go, what? And then it occurred to me later, I was like, oh, well, maybe this thing came up and their editor took them off your story because they had to cover this thing right. that developed. Right. Does that ever happen where just stuff gets cut and it mm -hmm. never comes back? Yeah. I mean, I literally just wrote like an auction catalog and the thing got pulled from the auction and then it's like, well, I guess we're not publishing it, which kind of like was unfortunate, but it's also just like, there will be more opportunities, right? Like, I think that when it comes to, hmm, another thing that's, that I didn't talk about, but sometimes has happened in addition to getting PR emails is like, sometimes people will invite you to the gallery so you can get a tour of the exhibition Sometimes the artists will be there and stuff like that. And you'll talk to the artists and you'll get the tour of the exhibition. And it will usually be like before it opens to the public or like sometimes mm. dinner before it opens to the public and then it will open to the public. Um, so that there's a lot of like events and stuff that you don't necessarily see from the outside. Um, and yeah, like just because I talk to you about an exhibition doesn't mean I'm going to write about it, right? Or just because like I go show up to a place, it doesn't mean I'm gonna write about it. <laughs> I think artists have to remember that because 
we just get so excited when anybody mm -hmm. acknowledges anything <laughs> that we're doing. Yeah. I know that sounds really desperate, but it's true no, because, mm -hmm. yeah, we're just not used to that. So, <laughs> yeah, no. And it's like, I do want to support my friends and I do want to um, write about interesting things. And I try to pitch interesting things and I try to write about things that spark my interest, but it's also just kind of knowing that like, there i had a friend who had a show and it was really cool and i thought oh maybe this is something i want to write about but then it was like at that time i was literally writing over an article a day and like wow. i just did so much stuff that like and i wanted to talk to them about the exhibition because i thought it was really cool but it was like i unfortunately like i cannot write about it now and like if you wanted you have to pitch me like a month in advance or something like that or before it opens that's another thing I would tell people, like, tell me about it before it opens. So I have time to think about it, you know, like, because if you tell me like in the middle of the exhibition, it's already gonna be too late to turn around an article, right? Like, so if you want me to know about something, pitch me like a month before you think it's gonna open or something, if you can, like, if you can't, whatever, but it's also just like, try to tell people early so that they know and they can plan. Thank you so much, Arby Dick for the super, we greatly appreciate your support. And I guess, Isis, the last thing I would ask you is, what is your wish list as a journalist? What, what are topics that you want to write about that maybe are not so hot and trendy, but you feel passionately about? Yeah, I mean, definitely more about class, race, like more complicated analysis of what's going on in the art world this proliferation of figure painting and Instagram art. Um, I definitely would like to write more profiles, more fiction, um, more about fiber art, love fiber art, more about conceptual art, maybe performance, like things like that of that nature. Um, I think that those are things that I would like to do. Um, yeah, like personal essays, like that sort of thing. That sounds great because we sure need to be thinking about more than just 10 artists in the art world. And I think people are just starting to figure that out. But I yeah. think, you know, a lot of work that still needs to be done there. Mm -hmm. So we do have several other streams that talk about different types of careers in the arts. And remember, the last day to register for our premium tracks is this Friday. That's where you get to work closely with the Art Prof staff, giving prompt support and feedback during voice sessions and also in our Discord. This Google slideshow is available. The link is in the YouTube video description below. And also, all of our slideshows are available on artprof.org. ArtProf has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And in a few minutes, I will be hanging out in the ArtProf Discord. Join me to answer more of your questions in the post live streams channel. Invite link is in the YouTube video description below. And I just saw Jazz is asking, where can we read ISIS's articles? You can go to ISIS's website, Instagram, follow her on Twitter. And all of that information is in the YouTube video description below. Subscribe to our channel, like this video, leave us a comment, and a big thank you to our top Patreon supporters. You are all so important. You are the reason why I can bring people like Isis 
onto the stream. This is where your money goes. And I hope you all had a great time. I sure did. I feel like, ooh, I learned all these secrets today. <laughs> so Isis, thank you so much for joining us. And everybody, we will see you next time. Thank Bye. You. Bye.